0: And welcome once again to another episode of Strange Planet. Thanks, as always, for sticking me in your ear. And if you'd like to get deeper into Strange Planet, I highly recommend you check out my premium subscription uh, program. There are three monthly programs to choose from. Choose the one that's right for you. You gain access to commercial-free listening, bonus episodes, uh, a subscription to my monthly newsletter, discounts on strange planet merchandise and more just go to strangeplanet.supportingcast.fm strangeplanet.supportingcast.fm or click on the link in the episode notes all right you know from time to time i like to just converse with uh, colleagues in the field who uh fellow podcasters people who pursue the truth um people who uh sort of work in the same arena, conspiracies and the unexplained. and we're gonna do that right now with a gentleman I saw on um, the Joe Rogan experience about a year ago. Turns out he's uh, not only a very funny man, a comedian, but also a uh, a podcaster in the uh, in the realm of conspiracy. Sam Tripoli is a twenty eight year veteran headlining comedian. He currently has five comedy albums to his credit including his latest special, No Lives Matter. I love that. He's appeared in the movie Dying Laughing, Showtime's The Comedy Store, CW's Mysteries Decoded, and he also co-hosted Spike TV's Wild World of Spike. Sam is an original of the legendary The Ice House Chronicles and the Joe Rogan Experience podcasts. Since 2016, he's hosted the Tinfoil Hat podcast, a hit top-rated podcast, which gave way to an additional seven podcasts, including Punch Drunk Sports, Broken Simulation, Cash Daddies, The Union of the Unwanted, Zero, and Conspiracy Social Club with Brian Kalen. Sam Tripoli,
2: welcome to Strange Planet. How are That's you? the word, Richard? How are you? Thanks for uh, uh, having me on and having to put up with my bio. I appreciate you. And yeah, that's a lot of podcasts, but I always tell people if I didn't have seven podcasts, I would just be talking to myself. So might as well just throw a microphone and a camera in front of me and make content.
0: I want to ask you about, um, the connection between comedy and conspiracy because, um, George Carlin towards the end of his career in particular, I mean, he started to get pretty dark and, you know, was ranting about, How the world is just, you know, it's one big club and you ain't in it. And so much of what he talked about, you know, 20 years ago was so prophetic to today. And then, of course, the late Bill Hicks talking about, you know, the the uh, the 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 grassy knoll and all of that stuff. Um, And and then and you, what do you think? Why? Why are so many comedians into conspiracy?
2: Well, to be honest with you, it wasn't always like that. So. Basically, what happened was I had a podcast that I did called the Naughty Show, and that ran its course. I ended it. I ended it, and then I had a couple podcasts in between, just trying to figure it out. Well, I started this one podcast with a buddy of mine. Uh, I was a storytelling podcast. We had a falling out. I ended it. So now I'm searching for a podcast to do. I've always been the conspiracy. I was always in the conspiracies, and then you know the Hillary Clinton Bernie Sanders primary was just really captivating to me. And at the you know, at the time, I and I still consider myself an old school liberal, probably more libertarian now. But you know, I was listening to these progressives talking about this this primary and like Jimmy Dore and Lee Camp. And they were talking about all this stuff like exit polls and all this stuff. And I was like, yeah, something's going on. So I'm like, you know what, man, I, I should do a podcast on conspiracies and you know, and then I decided what is the most demonized term out there, and I came up with with uh, tinfoil hat. So I'm like, I'm going to call it tinfoil hat. And I had Eddie Bravo on the first episode. I remember talking to him about Tim. Yeah, I'm going to call it tinfoil hat. He goes, What? What are you calling it? Why would you call it that? And I had a plan, and it worked out. So, but the reason I tell you all that because when I started that show, a lot of people weren't in conspiracies, and a lot of people looked thought of the term conspiracy theorist as the way the CIA wanted you to look at it, which was a crazy kook. And I mean, uh, my, it's very interesting that there's people out there that think I do cons- my conspiracy podcast as a grift. Like, it's not like Im-, Im woven into my DNA. Like I, I'm, I was raised by a very paranoid father, you know, to- taught me believe nothing what you hear and half of what you see. So I always took that to everything I talked about. Uh, so but, you know, when I started, like, people were, like, got really angry, especially at places like the comedy store. People were getting so angry. I, One buddy of mine that I've been friends with forever put hands on me because we were debating, you know, Gate and all that stuff. And he got, re, you know, it just got physical for no, no swinging, but just, like, grabbing each other and having, like, stern words. And so now today it's a whole different thing you know it's like now people are really opening their eyes to what's going on and i i really do love it and i feel like your show my show and some of the ogs like greg Carwood or the higher side chats and and the whole whole bunch of all the people who've ever been on my show the union of the unwanted um they're they, they all they you know they they all have had a big part of this awakening that's going on. So more people are into it. Now, when you get into like our people, our comedy crowds in the conspiracies, some are, but like in Los Angeles, Like, you catch me at a good time right now because I'm in a good mood. My life is good. Great things are happening. You know, bills are paid. Kids are happy. Life is good. You know, I'm going to do the, you know, Joe Rogan uh, experience. I'm doing the Fight Companion. Uh, Tomorrow, I'm in a good place. Three days ago, I was on the ledge, ready to call it, because I was doing a show at this one comedy club. And the people are just staring at me. And then we kind of talked about this briefly before the show started, that, like, I'm being dead serious. Like sarcasm is violence in this town. Like the, like it used to be back in the day, and I've been doing comedy since I was twenty two years old. I'm fifty years old now. And we it used to be like you would start you you could be in l a. you could just tee off and do great stuff. And then you go on the road and you have to dumb it down. That's it's completely flipped. It's one hundred percent flipped. You go on the road. I can tee off. I mean, I can tee off on what I want to talk about in L.A. I have to edit on stage as I go. And it gets so sad and frustrating because you just they're just in this like bubble of denial that's going on. And the worst thing is, it's like, you know, and I have people in my family who said this stuff to me. They're like, I'm just tired of the politics. I just don't want to hear it in comedy. You know what that says to me when you say I'm tired of politics and comedy? It says to me you watch MSNBC and CNN still. You still watch it, and that's where you get your fix, and you don't want to hear anything that's contrary to what you're getting spoon-fed on the boob to. Okay? So that's what it says to me. I think this is an important time. I think comedy has to be a little bit of, like, you know— Get them laughing. Slip them the truth. It just can't be all truth all the time because nobody wants to go to a lecture, right? But they want to have laughter. I was watching um, uh, the uh, the Big
0: Short with um, Christian Bale and and um, Ryan Gosling and Stephen Carell. Have you seen the Big Short?
2: I have not seen, but I am familiar with the the, the story and the movie.
0: For those not familiar, it's it's basically the true story of of what happened with the um, the housing uh, bubble collapse uh, in in the U.S. in 2007 eight, which precipitated you know this massive economic collapse. But there's a line in that movie; it's not even spoken. It's just kind of up on the screen in text, and it says, um, uh, "The truth is like poetry, and most people effing hate poetry." So. And I, I think you could say the same thing. It's like comedy is about truth, but everybody loves comedy or at least they used to. So as you say, you know, you you make them laugh and then you slip in the truth. Uh, and, and maybe that's why, um, why you know, a lot of great comedians are, are into conspiracy and it's not even conspiracy theory. It's just conspiracy fact. You know, like I mentioned Bill Hicks and George Carlin and, and, um, you mentioned, so for you, the, the kind of the awakening was Hillary Clinton. Well,
2: I've always and, been in conspiracies. I, I, I'll i tell you, my the first conspiracy is Santa Claus. And then the second <laughs> conspiracy for me is, and this is like crazy, but I, I remember having a moment, two things when I was very young woke me up. The first one was when I was really young and the Iron Sheik and Hacksaw Jim Duggan, got busted in a car drinking together. And that shattered a reality for me because they were two people who are supposed to be at war. And now to find out that these two people are not only at war, but now they're drinking. I had to got to go, oh man, something is up. This is we're not getting told the truth. And that really resonated with me. And the second thing that really so so I graduate in 91. I go to UNLV and I go to UNLV for two reasons. One, my father ran a PSYOP on me that convinced me to go to Vegas so he could buy a house out there and go there to gamble as a tax write off. Right. If he had a house, he could fly out there and do a tax write off. And the other was like I'm half Armenian and Jerry Tarkanian was the coach of the of the basketball team and I wanted to go support Armenian. So that's why I go to Vegas. Right. I go out there. And so when I get out there, I start, you know, reading Chomsky and like later on, you know, I start realizing that he's part of that whole. I forget what the name of the operation was, where it's basically the CIA funded, you know, Bloomberg. the counterculture. Uh, oh, Cohen. What's that? go yeah. Cohen. Yes, 100 percent. But at the time I was reading his book and he's really opening my uh, eyes to a lot of stuff that the U.S. government, the media was doing. But the real big thing that really opened my eyes was when Bill Clinton showed up to Trent Lott getting his portrait put up in the uh, the L- Library of Congress. And there there was Trent Lott. I forget the senator. I think it's Hatch from Utah. Newt Gingrich. Right and bill clinton was sitting there grinning with these guys and i go these dudes tried to murder you and you're sitting there and i go i had the same thought. I'm like oh it's all a lie it's all a lie and i started just going okay and so i've always been into what is really going on my again my father very paranoid man taught me to just question everything and God bless him. You know, he showed me a lot of wonderful things the good way and a lot of wonderful things the bad way. So I learned from my father in that aspect. So yeah, I, I've always been like that. I love that
0: uh, the, the awakening for you, Iron Sheik and Hacksaw Jim and enjoying a beer together to absolutely shatter the illusion. Which, you know, yeah. When you're a, a kid, metaphor. that's
2: a big deal pro wrestling back in the day.
0: Or sure it is. Absolutely. Um, But it's kind of a, you know, a metaphor for the, uh, this illusion of, you know, a two-party system or here in Canada, a, th- a, th- a three-party system. They're all the same. They're all just vying to become the CEO of the corporation. That's all. It's just, you know, uh, musical chairs, if you will. Um, I think a lot of people, though, are waking up as well because of COVID. And... um but, Let's just riff on that a little bit. What are your thoughts about, you know, the last three years with mask mandates and social distancing and vaccine mandates? And now they're trying to bring it back just in time for the 2024
2: election. It's it's unbelievable. And I just want to tell everybody on your show what's going to happen next. And it's going to be the you're going to see all the queer theory, uh, gay pride stuff go away. And the next thing will be immigration riots, and uh, you can see them setting it up right now. Today, there's an article. Eric a- Abrams is as named the mayor of New York City. Is like we're overrun. New York City's done, and you're, they're just setting it up. And this is all part to get chaos before the 2024 election because they don't want anyone actually showing up and voting. And we we are in, and Canada is most likely like this as well. We are in a full blown. Uh, Bolshevik war. It's a silent Bolshevik war. Um, they we're in a, de- a demoralization campaign like we've never seen before. This whole thing with Obama's uh, Obama sexuality is all part of that. This is all a giant demoralization campaign, and we're in the middle of it. And COVID was a giant part of that. You know, the whole thing that COVID was sent to to get rid of uh, Trump and all that stuff. I don't buy any of that. Uh, I think. I think you know, uh, Joe, uh, Joe Biden was in for two reasons to carry the, the COVID narrative and to get the Ukrainian war uh, started. I, I do believe that nine 11 was already in planned and that's why they needed Dick Cheney in the white house. And that's why they had to uh, fit. I mean, Al Gore is part of the party too. I have a shirt and I wish I would have put Al Gore on it, but it's like, it's uh, it's called the uh, George Bush. It's all, it's basically, it's all George Bush death cult, And that's kind of, of who is in control right now it's the George Bush death cult and it's been a giant demoralization campaign and COVID was a part of that and you know I don't know if if the plans didn't go according to plan I like to believe that it didn't or you know some people think 24 25 and 26 are the big years uh, according to the SARS pandemic assimilation uh, the packet that's put out that we're kind of online with that stuff but Yeah. It's been a giant demoralization campaign. And you know, it's very interesting if you, if you're a conspiracy theorist and you sit back and you watch how they rolled it out, you know, they were like weird things happening in China. You know, people like, you know, people falling, and We never saw that with COVID until what the vaccines, right? Then the vaccines came and suddenly we saw people dropping dead right there in the middle of the streets. And now we're seeing, now we're seeing that with vaccines before we saw just random people in China. So My opinion is they were testing the vaccine way back then. Anyways, they were getting it going. So it is all about rolling out, you know, this digital prison that they want to have with our, our IDs and, uh, you know, our, our vaccination IDs and our social credit scores and all that stuff. And I'm hoping people wake up. I think the next few years is going to be very interesting. I think people are more awake than ever. I think it's harder to pull psyops than ever, but COVID was a big wake-up call. I do believe Russiagate pre- preceded that, and people kind of woke up to what that was going on. All I know is that we have an amazing batting average, people like us. And I always say my show is almost seven years old. Uh, yeah, it's almost seven years old. You know, if I if my batting average was really crappy, my show wouldn't have the following. It still has and still growing. It's beautiful because people go back and listen to the show and they're like, wow, you got it all right back then. So I think COVID was just a giant attempt to bring in more digital authority. And that's kind of what they tried to do. I don't think they completed it as far as they want to, but I could be wrong.
0: All right, Sam, we're going to step away for a moment, come back and uh, talk some more. Sam Tripoli the Tinfoil Hat Podcast. We'll tell you about some others as well. Stay with us.
1: The truth goes through three stages. First, it is ridiculed. Ridiculed. Second, it is violently opposed. Opposed. Third, it is accepted as self-evident. You're listening to Richard Serrett's Strange Planet. Comedian Sam Tripoli is here
0: on the Tinfoil Hat Podcast and uh, also the Conspiracy Social Club. How do we listen, Sam?
2: Uh, you can listen to those anywhere you enjoy podcasts, whether it is um, whether it is uh, audio or video with Conspiracy Social Club. Uh, you get one free one a week. And then uh, all my premium content is on a website called rockfin.com. And Rockfin's where you pay $15 for everybody's content. I put up about five episodes a week. Like I said I'm a crazy person, but I enjoy the content so it's not work. And so if you want to go on this nice little journey with me, uh, I do I do conspiracy deep conspiracy rewinds where I go back and look at old like footage or old newscasts about certain things we break it down from a, like a 2020, you know, you know, modern day 2020 vision, look at it. I'm about to do the uh, press conference with the gentleman who said that he had hooked up with Barack Obama. And his press conference, because I was watching this guy who has a great YouTube channel called Doug in Exile, and he played some of the video of his his press conference. And it is mind blowing what this guy says. And nobody pays attention to what he's actually saying, because it's more about the, the encompasses everything he says and not the specific things he says, the specific things he says. Is so mind-blowing. Uh, we're going to do a deep dive on that. I do AMAs, and then I do interviews. So join us on Rockfin. And you can listen to my stuff anywhere. YouTube, I don't have it up on YouTube. There are fans who have fan websites who who take my content put it up. I don't because I've been shadow banned so badly on there. They were going to take down my YouTube channel. And, like, as a comedian, you have to be on YouTube, even as shadow banned as I am. So I took off all the conspiracy stuff. I only put Broken Simulation on there. And yeah, so that's it.
0: Uh, I had a, um, I have a YouTube channel, but I'm moving everything over to rumble because what, now what they're doing is they're going, it's like they decide, okay, this month we're really going to focus on this character. Let's go back like 10 years ago and find some, I don't know, um, medical misinformation or something. And then the next week they'll find something else until you get your three strikes and then you're done. But, um, um, I want to ask you about uh, Joe Rogan and I saw you on Joe Rogan's, um, podcast, uh, uh, I guess about a year ago. Um, how did, um, how did you hook up with Joe Rogan? How do you, uh, how do you get on the Joe Rogan experience?
2: Well, uh, I have known Joel Joe since I'd say 25 years now. I met him, uh, even before he didn't, uh, I think it was at the end of news radio, maybe. And then before he did fear factor and we were both picked up at the comedy store and he's always been very cool to me. You know, uh, I owe a lot to Joe Joe's, uh, Joe's done more for me. I mean, there's like four people in my life. I'll never be able to pay back with the kindness that they've shown me. My parents, Mitzi show shore and Joe Rogan. So I've known him for a while. He's always helped me. He's changed my life. And, you know we we were we were you know doing some touring and then Sammy got a little crazy with the partying and you know I kind of had to go away for a little while and I respect you know I respect that cuz it made me change my life and clean up my life and I'm sober now and you know and I'm thankful for that now I'm kind of coming back and I did you know did a show recently and I'm doing it again and so I'm very thankful for him and everything he's done for me and you know I, you know, we, we talk all the time and like his ability to keep the train on the tracks, like a show that big is truly amazing to me. And it's like, it's like a Johnny Carson with just like four employees where Johnny Carson had like probably a thousand employees. So it's, it's pretty amazing to me. And it's fun to see where he is now conspiratorially. Uh, And I think he's doing a really good job. And uh, I think what he does is very important. So uh, I'm very thankful. So yeah, that's how I met him.
0: Oh, that's that's great. I mean, I agree. I think he's doing a a tremendous uh, service when you look at Joe Rogan and, you know, someone like Russell Brand, um, Tucker Carlson now on on Twitter or X. uh, They are now they are the mainstream
2: media. They're it. Yeah, I agree with you. And the beauty of like shows like yours and shows like mine is like I I can at least talk for myself is that I'm way, way down the rabbit hole. So I always call my podcast the Sports Center of the Future, meaning what you you read now and hear on our show, you're going to see on these other shows six months from now. And that's okay, you know, because that's kind of my market now. You know, I was like, I love everybody talking about stuff, but I'm like, what am I going to talk about now if they're talking about it? So uh, I'm very thankful. We've been getting some really great conversations. I don't know where you are spiritually, teach their own, but I've always said this. That conspiracy always leads to spirituality. So like, so the question is like, if they're lying to me about, let's say the JFK assassination, what else are they lying to me? And that's where you, you, if you want to start simple, start with the JFK assassination and how deep that rabbit hole goes. And now we're learning it might go even deeper than we even thought. So, you know, you go start there and then you just keep going deeper and deeper and deeper. And I had this guy on named Matt LaCroix and he does a lot of great stuff, a lot of great research into ancient civilizations. Uh, You know, these ruins that kind of change our timeline on how long we've been around. I had him on and then like a week or two later, I had a a Buddhist author named Von Galton and she came on to talk Buddhism with me on Conspiracy Social Club because I like to mix it up. And she was saying the same things Matt was saying, but from a spiritual point of view. Uh, So one was scientific and data. The other one was spiritual. And they were saying the same thing to me. So I started going, hey, man, there's something there. And that kind of brought my journey to spirituality and where I am today and, you know, looking into fallen angels and what the – You know, so we get into all these things. Who runs the world? I'm not part of the the you know this group runs the world. If you if you had to ask me, the world's ran by sorcerers, and uh, everything is a magic trick. Everything's an intelligence trick, and at the at the highest levels is like the Watchers. That's what my honest belief is. If you ask me, seven years into this thing, that's the true center of power. Uh, I think there's a lot of, uh, middle managers that get blamed for everything, but I think in reality at the highest levels is dark arts of sorcery and and worshipers of the fallen. That's my opinion. That's why I am. And as I do this journey things. So for me, man, when I, when I have anybody on, I listen, I, 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 people go, uh, well, what's your process for, uh, preparing for your episode, right? Uh, and that what I would do in the early years, I would do as much research as I could. And then I would like interview the people. But I found myself trying to navigate them to my conclusions. Right. So what I decided to do was go, I'm going to go in this. I'm, I'm going to ask them for five to six talking points. And I'm going to go in this like the like I'm the listener and I'm going to hear what they have to say, because the show starts off with my friend, Eddie Bravo, who's like probably one of the bigger conspiracy theorists in the world. And he was coming, he would do these fight companions with my friends and he was just going one on three and they wouldn't let him talk because it was a different time. Right. So I go, you know, I'm going to do the show and I'm blessed that Eddie's one of my best friends. I want to have, I'm just going to let him talk. I'm not going to question. I'm just going to tell me what you think. And that became how I did my show. It was more about me highlighting them. So I, I get them. So they tell me all the stuff they want to tell me and I, and it's kind of like MMA where it's like you take what you like you and you leave what you don't. And for me, it's like the, the conspiracy is a giant, you know, uh, jigsaw puzzle. It's a giant puzzle. And like when you find a piece, you see if it fits. And if it fits, now you got a bigger, a little more pieces of the picture. I don't know if we're ever meant to get to the, the, the real center of it all, but I get closer and closer to it. So that's where I'm at. I am right now. I think we're on the
0: same page. Um, I married a Greek girl I'm, uh, and I converted to Greek Orthodoxy, um, but I've got sort of some remnants of my Protestant upbringing and a little, maybe even a little bit of evangelicalism in terms of you know end times. And and like you, I mean, I I see. Um, I mean, at the root of the biblical narrative is a conspiracy.
2: Yes. that's what it is. Yeah, you know? yeah. I agree with you wholeheartedly. Basically, Jesus was like Patrick Swayze from Roadhouse. He just came down and had a clean shop. And that's really what they want. And that's kind of where I'm at right now. And it's the Sam Elliott character. (laughs) Yeah, right. Right. And I'm just like, okay, man, this is interesting things, man. And it just it starts to click when, you know, I'm, I'm meeting with a good friend of mine. My best friend from high school goes to college, becomes super Christian, right? And he starts telling me all this stuff. And every time I sit down with him, he wants to like, just talk to me about it. And at first I would just let him go because I always had an inquisitive mind. I was always spiritual, always. I never was atheist. I was never, I was always spiritual, but I didn't know what it was. And I like a lot of people had weird moments with the Catholic church. And my, I know my father really did. I had some weird run-ins with, you know, father Dan and all that stuff. And so, you know, I was like, okay, this, why would God do this? And then he said something to me, very interesting. He's like, he goes, Sam, who, who is the king of this world? I go, God, he goes, no, it's Lucifer. And I go, wow, that kind of now starts to make a little sense to me on why, when people go, if God's all loving, why is he let this, this happen? Well, because he's not in charge of this whole thing. And, uh, pieces start to come together. I'm very early on the g- journey, but pieces start to come together. More pieces of the puzzle come together. And I'm open minded to all religions. And, and I, I want people, if you study, uh, if you're a, a believer in a certain faith, you won't hear me say anything to you about who's right and who's wrong. As long as you treat people well and you don't hurt children, and you don't hurt people, particularly children, you'll never hear anything from me because I don't think that's That's the purpose of worship, man. But when I look at the world and I look at who you can tee off on and who you can make fun of and who you can't, I go, why, why is, why can Christians just be like, why can they get beat like a pinata? Why can we just make Jesus every, you know, every version of disrespectful version of him and everybody laughs at it. And then I go, okay, if if the mainstream media is telling me something, I tend to know the opposite is true. I'm going to start looking into this stuff. And that's where kind of where I am right now.
0: Sam, another uh, quick timeout. Back with more in a moment.
1: The truth will set you free, 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 free. But first, it will really tick you off. Welcome back to Richard Serrett's Strange Planet. Sam Tripoli
0: is with us. Sam forward slash events. If you want to check out his upcoming uh, comedy um, shows and uh, tell us, you've got a comedy podcast as well. Broken simulation.
2: Yeah. That that basically came from uh, when COVID hit, you know, I couldn't go to comedy clubs and work jokes. So I, I kind of was watching what Bill Burr was doing with his Monday morning podcast where he would just go up there and work bits and then he'd take it to the stage And so I decided to start doing that. And the reason I really promote that show is because, you know, I love talking conspiracies. I had a friend of mine who I love, but he was like, I'm just sad you had to make it through that way. You had to make it through conspiracy. I go, bro, I'm blessed. I get to talk to interesting people about interesting things. I headline A-list comedy clubs and my kids are happy. Like, it's such a blessing, you know, but I'm also a comedian and I like to talk about all the weird stuff that I I witnessed, and this is kind of my battle going back to, excuse me, our earlier conversation. It's just like, we are forced at gunpoint to recognize diversity. Now, I'm going to say something that is, you know, said a thousand times, but I do believe it. Our, our diversity is our strength. I live in Los Angeles. It's wonderful diversity. I love it. Uh, but we we're forced to see diversity at gunpoint. And when we point out the funny things that we see in diversity, we get called bigot, racist, homophobic, all this stuff. So I refuse to do that. I refuse to play that game. And I'm going to sit there and just talk about everything I see about everybody because I, you know, when you talk about, you know, when you look at the definition of racism, right? People always look at the first part, which is the, you know, the, to um, degrade somebody but they never look at the second part of of the definition which is the make yourself feel superior to them okay i flunk first grade okay i have man cheese i'm functionally illiterate i can barely read out loud if i didn't go to aa i would never read out loud so i'm a drug addict i got sex addiction i got every i am a walking vices okay that's who i am and so i'm not superior to anybody Everybody does funny stuff. Everybody does There's no unicorns. Okay. There's just packs of idiots and everybody's got dumbasses. If I can say that on your show on in their group, stop with the defending the entire group because of the actions of one person, everybody's idiots. And once you accept that, you can have fun discussing it. And that's kind of where I am on stage. I'm going to put out this new album. It's called weirdo. And then I'm gonna make a decision on what I want to do stand up wise, because part of me, you know, we just wants to talk about normal day stuff, but part of me is like, we also gotta wake people up too. So it's an interesting thing. Like I'm blessed. I go on the road. I pack it out with Tim Fall Hat fans. We call them the Swarm, and they just enjoy. And I can tee off, and they they enjoy it, and I'm thankful for it. It is a battle. We are in our anthem rock phase of comedy right now. Everything is Nickelback right now. And it's all because Mark Zuckerberg has his thumb on who gets seen and who doesn't get seen. And, you know, as much as I love jujitsu and I love being the ju- taking jujitsu in the MMA community, but their love of Zuckerberg because he does jujitsu now is so infuriating because that guy is Destroyed basic conversations between uh, each other. He's he, he's he's shadow banned truth. He's used fact checkers to gaslight everybody, and now he's now he's only promoting. And I, and I want to say this: these people are funny, but it's very simple comedy. Back in the day, it would be considered corporate comedy. Yeah, don't you just
0: call- that kind of stuff?
2: There's nothing. There's no edging it. There's no there's nothing challenging the status quo allowed to be seen unless you're so big that it makes Instagram look stupid for shadow banning you.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, uh, can you
2: even do college campuses anymore? Is that dead? I wouldn't even drive by a college campus at this point, just because it's, you know, and that's kind of what the game is. Right now, I just I forget what school it is, either it's ASU or Arizona State or UCLA. Somebody's giving a course in Taylor Swift right there, should let you know what a college degree is about. It's and but this is the beauty of it all right now, right? Is like it's all Richard, it's all coming out. Everything is being exposed. People are seeing things for what they truly are. You can't control the narrative anymore. They can't do it. It's too diverse. Now, the biggest thing they got to do now is they're sending in controlled opposition people to kind of hijack movements like they did in the 60s and 70s and throughout every decade since. But now they're like the whole manosphere, you know, part of YouTube where it's like men teaching men how women are beneath them. That whole movement is full of feds, man. It's just nothing but feds. So we're, and it's harder and harder for them to hide themselves now. So I do believe we're coming to a place of great, great, great awakening. And I'm excited to be a part of it.
0: I I agree. I think this is the, this is the, the fight of our life that we're engaged in. And you gotta be, you gotta either lean into it and learn to love the fight because we may not see a resolution until, you know, we're dead and buried. So learn to love it, um, or if you can't fight, I guess you got to try to figure out a way to help the the people that are fighting. Uh, you you talking? You were talking about how f- everything is coming to the surface now, and it's going to get really dark and really ugly before we're all through. And some of the people that we grew up admiring, you know, are, are going to be exposed as just complete monsters before yes. this is. Um. So I was thinking about the uh, The sound of freedom, which I'm embarrassed to say I haven't had a chance to see yet, it's on the list. But I mean, I've been I've been following that sort of that whole narrative for a number of years, and I know you've done a number of shows, uh, Pedogate Gate, and and so forth. Um, what do you think of the the um, mainstream media's um, attempts to really just discredit this movie, uh, ignore it, uh, run away from it? What, what what do you think is happening there?
2: Ah, uh, uh, for one hundred percent, it it is once again ex ex exposing the hypocrisy when you push cuties as some amazing artistic, uh cinema event, and then you go after Sound of Freedom. Now I couldn't go see the movie because I can't see kids getting hurt. It just I have children of that are three. I can't watch it. So I bought four tickets just to to show to show support for it. But I can't go watch that stuff. It just makes me sad that monsters out there exist. And, you know, kids having children are three. You realize how vulnerable children are, that they just they really aren't smart enough. They don't have the mental or physical capability to defend themselves. So what people do, these children are absolutely disgusting. And it was very interesting. So I'm trying to introduce my children to new stuff. So I was going on uh, Spotify and I was just playing different songs for them. Like we were listening to some Taylor Swift. I'm like, okay, we're playing this because they're girls. Let's give them some of the good stuff. Let's play, um, let's play Breadfan from Metallica. And they were rocking out the Metallica. It was fun to watch three-year-olds rock out the Metallica. Then I'm like, let's play some Led Zeppelin. And I was listening to one of the Led Zeppelin songs, and I realized how occult they were. Like they were so into Elster Crowley and all that stuff. And there was some weird moments where it's like, ha, ha, ha. and I'm like, okay, we don't need to hear this. So we went to we went and listened to um uh Queen, and that was a lot of fun um so they're all being exposed. they're all being exposed right now. and what I do what what's going on right now is I'm starting to realize that we are so in our own realities right now. like if you just went by MSNBC, you would think the only thing happening in the country is Trump's indictment. They're not talking about anything about Obama right now. They're not talking about anything about jo- George, uh, you know, about uh, Joe Biden and all this corruption going on. And so it's like I, I, I'm just as much as I enjoy decentralization, I'm also kind of sad that we're so siloed that we're only getting what we want to hear, which is, you know, as much. And listen, we can go in the Tucker's pass and what he did to like George Webb which is fully involved in the character assassination of George Webb when he outed the CIA and the cocaine movement. Right. And what they did with cocaine. Uh, We can get into that. But the one thing that, that Tucker Carlson did represent in America was it was the one place where they found out that both Democrats and Republicans watched and that's why he's gone. Not because of anything he said. Well, it is what he said because it resonated with people. But they got rid of him because he was starting to get everybody to come together to listen to one show. And they do not want that. They want us siloed so none of us have the same information, which is a giant part of cultural Marxism. And people can say whatever they want. You can call it whatever term you want. I'll stand right here and take it because it is happening full force right now from the Bolshevik revolution, from all these military age men sneaking into America to what's being done in the classroom, what's being done culturally. It is being done on purpose, but I think people are waking up to it, or at least I hope.
0: I know they are. Uh, and you mentioned how your um, interest in conspiracies has led you on this spiritual path and it is because um, you know, I've seen the movie and I know how it ends that I I feel very positive. Uh I know people are waking up and I know that ultimately this is gonna w- uh we're gonna win. I
2: think the we good have guys. to. I mean, if if you study the, the the if you study any principle that you're told by any full, any spiritual movement, whatever you want to believe, it's basically along the lines of the energy you put out is energy get back. There, if you believe in the Hermetic principles, now I'm a Christian, but I think the Hermetic principles also have a place in this realm, meaning that there's a way to to manipulate the energy of this realm for for high vibrational, low vibrational, right? Rare, and there are rules to the universe, and the masters of mankind are not bigger than the universe. Klaus Schwab is a speck of 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 poo poo to. Mm. The universe, he is ne- as big as he, and you could say he might be one of the biggest people on the planet. If we know his name, he's probably not running anything, and he's a puppet, but he is might be the biggest of the puppets at that point. And he's nothing compared. You can't do that. You can't cause chaos if you're not being of service to others. You are, if you're not a positive to everybody, you're negative to everybody. And you can only do that for so long before the universe catches up with you. And that's what's happening right now. They think they can lock down the universe and they just can't. I, it's just, there's no metric in which it works out for them. In my humble opinion, you can't do that. That's why China as powerful as they are, are in deep, deep trouble right now. Because when you lock down people spiritually and financially and creatively, eventually it comes back and bites you. You cannot, man cannot control man. That is the one thing that we have learned through the history, however long you think we're around. Man cannot control man. Only God can can lead us. And then we, because Eve eats this apple, which is the story we're told, now we have free will. And what we do with this free will determines whether we awake or not. And that's my honest, humble opinion, because that clicks with me on all levels of what's going on.
0: Sam, very profound and um, an amazing uh, conversation. I can't thank you enough for coming on. It was great to meet you.
2: I'm sorry. I know I'm a comedian. I, I don't I, I get into these super serious rants and I feel bad. I'm like, I should slip in a couple jokes to get it going. But I oh, love yuck, talking yuck. about this stuff.
0: Oh, I brought you on because I, I know you're a deep thinker and I appreciate your insights.
2: Richard, I'd love to have you on my show sometime. If you ever have a moment, come on. We do we do an hour, hour and a half, and I'd love to have you on. Just talk about anything you want to come on. I, I'd like to return the favor and interview you and ask you some questions.
1: I'd love to. It's a date.
2: All right, we'll set up. Thanks for having me on. You have the best voice ever.
1: A new Richard Serrett's Strange Planet drops every Monday,
2: Wednesday, and Friday. Subscribe at strangeplanetpodcast.com.